Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Welcome, everyone, and uh, thank you uh, for joining us on our online service. And I want to just give a big shout out to our worship team. Uh, they just do a beautiful job in leading us into worship. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Pastor Jeff and Matt for all their work to bring in this online service for us today. And we're so glad that you joined us today. And if you're new with us, we want to say welcome. Uh, welcome to South Coast Christian and our online experience. And I know there's a chat room right there, and we just encourage you to join the chat room and just just share with our, our host that, hey, I'm new today, and, I'm, and just share your thoughts as we are continuing forward in our worship service today. I want to just make one announcement before we get started today, and that is this coming Thursday, uh, May 7th, we are going to be doing a National Day of Prayer here on our campus. Uh, we're going to actually do a drive-in National Day of Prayer. Uh, starts at 7.30 p.m. We'll go for one hour to 8.30 p.m. We encourage you to come and be a part of that. And we'll uh, transmit to your, radio, uh, to your cars uh, via your radio. And we'll have opportunity just to pray together um, as a church. And we are so much looking forward to that as a team. And we want you to be able to be a part of that as well. So come join us this Thursday at uh, 7.30 p.m. Um, over the last, uh, or at 7 p.m., I should correct that, at 7 p.m., uh, over the last couple of weeks, uh, we have been focusing on the priorities of our life. We've been talking about uh, Flip This House. It's about remodeling your home. During this time of quarantine, we see a lot of people that are taking on house projects. And we thought, man, how, how important it is for each and every one of us to take on a project in our own life as well, to take on a spiritual project in our homes. Many of you have been doing different projects. We've been seeing them online through Instagram or through Facebook. And it's time to discuss what are we doing in our heart? What are we doing in our spiritual life? Remember, as followers of Jesus, your heart is God's home. Your heart is God's home. The Apostle Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I have pondered this thought many of times. I've, I've thought about that, that God resides in my life, that God has made home in my life. It's a humbling thought and it's an extraordinary thought that he takes up residence in me. I think about what home feels like to me. Because when I go home, it's a place of comfort. It's a place of relaxation. It's a place where I find joy. It's a place where I find peace. It's where I feel welcomed. It's a place where I don't have to feel like I have to prove myself. I can just come home and I can relax and truly be myself. It's why I call it home. The idea that God would reside in my heart is a crazy thought. But then I wondered... As God resides in my life, does it feel like home to him? Does my heart, does my life, when he comes into my, does it feel like home to him? Or is it just a place that he tolerates? Have you ever been in someone's home that you didn't enjoy? <laughs> that you went into that place and you're kind of like watching your clock and you're just crying, just, uh, just passing the time until you could leave? It was an uncomfortable place. Maybe there were items in their homes that you didn't allow in your home and just being around those items made you feel uneasy or maybe the words that were being used in the home 
Maybe they were degrading or hurtful, and by the end of your stay, you just walked away exhausted. Or maybe you realize you just don't have a lot in common. You don't share the same values. Back to my question. Is God comfortable residing in your life? Do we share the same passions? I've had people tell me that they just hate the idea that they have to go home. I've literally had people tell me that, that they don't want to go home. They don't want to go home to a a spouse who maybe, or a parent who has a negative attitude or they have a condescending spirit and they they just dread the thought of having to go home. It's opposite of what they desire. It's a place filled with anxiety and worry and fear and maybe even abuse. And again, I ask the question, does God enjoy the home that you have created? I have visited homes where I don't necessarily want to stay, but I've also visited homes, man, where I don't want to live. Because that home, when I walked in, I felt just the presence of faith. I felt the presence of joy. I felt hope in that home. And it was a place that I enjoyed, and I didn't even want to leave myself. It feels like a place that I would call home. This is the environment that we're trying to create here at South Coast Christian. We're trying to create a place that feels like home. A place where you can come and be yourself. A place where you can come and worship. A place where, and we're, I know we're doing an online experience right now, but we're still desiring to create a place that feels like home. And I was thinking about that whole thought. No place... A place where I can be real, where I can share my heart, where God can work in and through my life. We should desire to create that same type of experience in our our lives as well as in our personal homes. In our lives, we should try to create a place where God feels at home, where he feels like he belongs. We know a large part of creating that space is through inviting Jesus into our lives. Just the presence of Jesus in our lives will change us. It creates an environment where God's spirit wants to reside. And I'll say that again. When you invite Jesus into your life, into your heart, all of a sudden you begin to create an environment in your life where the heavenly father says, I want my spirit to reside in that home. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. This is the first step in creating an environment where God wants to reside, which leads to our discussion for today. The first week we discussed how we need to see the potential in our lives because if we don't see the potential, guess what? We will never try to change anything. We need to understand that we are created by God, that we are loved by God, and that we are called by God. Last week I shared about the importance of dreaming again. You're never going to remodel your life if you don't start dreaming of what it could be got to start to dream again. This week I want to share about the demolition process of remodeling a home. Discussing the things that need to be removed from our lives, removed from our homes. Those things that create conflict and unrest, the things that God hates. If you've ever watched any of the shows that go on television or maybe you've watched them on YouTube or whatever else where they go in and they remodel a home, they flip that house and they do all these crazy things to the home and you see it one way where it was like an old uh, dilapidated home and all of a sudden when they reveal the home it's like brand new and you don't even recognize the house because they remodeled the home. But let me share, some, share something with you. If you've ever watched any of those programs, you know that there is a demolition process that goes on during that time when they're doing the remodeling. 
Annette and I like to watch the show Fixer Upper with Chip and Joanna Gaines. And one of Chip's favorite jobs, if you've ever watched that show, he loves to do the demolition. He goes in with a sledgehammer. He knocks down all the old cabinets. You know, those cabinets that were made back in the 70s and they have tin coats of paint on it. And that last coat is that putrid green color. And, and you know, you find yourself rooting for him. Knock those cabinets down. Or maybe it's that bathroom that all of a sudden they walk into there and there's still shag rug inside the... Talk about how unhealthy is that, having a shag rug in your restroom and they start tearing all of that stuff out and you're rooting, on, rooting them on for the demolition process of that remodel. I think for most people, especially guys, I think there's something fun about demolition. There's just something that's fun about destroying things, but not just for the sake of destroying things. But really for the sake of making room for something else. For making room for something new. Could you imagine trying to remodel a house without removing the old? It's impossible. You can't do it. you got to clear space to bring the new, the new addition, the new remodel into the way, into the home. Jesus writes it this way. In Mark chapter 2, verse 22, Jesus says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine... For the, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. In our lives, we have to be willing to remove the old so that we can make room for the new. God desires that we continue to experience new promises, new revelations, and new breakthroughs in our life. That's his desire for each and every one of us. I believe the reason the new stops in our lives is because there is no room. I'll share that again. I believe that many times why the new stops in our life is because there is no room for the new. If the old continues to dominate our lives, then how can God ever create something new in our life? We have to declutter. We have to clear the way. We have to make room. When Jesus came into the world... It was John the Baptist that was making room for Jesus. He was preaching a message of repentance. It says in Mark chapter 1, and I'm quoting verses 2 and 3, and Mark is quoting Isaiah at this point. He says, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. Are you clearing the way for Jesus in your life? Are you doing a demo process in your life where you're getting rid of some of the old so that you can create a place for new? John the Baptist preached repentance. Repentance is clearing out those things in our lives that are ungodly. It's making more room for Jesus. Let me ask you this. Is there any areas in your home right now that needs to be demoed? I'm talking about spiritually or maybe things in in your home that are maybe emotionally... At unrest. Are there certain things in your home that need to be demoed? Maybe there's certain things in your life that need to be demoed. It might not even be sin. Maybe it's just something that is in the way. Maybe there's something in your life that it's not even necessarily something wrong, but it's just in the way. It's just like when you're trying to remodel a house and you have this vision for this beautiful space in your home and this new home that you're trying to remodel. And right in, that, in the middle of that beautiful space, there sits a wall. Well, guess what? That wall is in the way of your dream. You need to remove that wall. For the dream to be realized, the wall has to go. There's certain things in your life for the dream of what God wants to do in your life. Guess what? There's certain things that might have to go. I'm not just talking about sin. I'm just talking about clutter. 
things in your life that clutters your life. Sometimes in life, we have to be willing to get rid of stuff so that we can make room for the new. If you really want to flip your house, if you really want to flip your life, then look at the obstacles that is keeping you, keeping you from what God is asking you to do. It's as simple as making room. Real transformation requires that you create some open space to work with. Let me share a few thoughts with you today about the demolition process of our life. I know that sounds really crazy when I say that, the demolition process of our life, but there's times that we need to do some demo, demoing in our life. The first thought is this, God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you. Many times we talk about the need to wait on God, but seldom do we ever talk about the idea that maybe God is waiting on us. Could God be waiting on me? Could God be waiting on you? Are there areas in in our lives that we need to change before God is able to bless us? Sometimes God is waiting for us to make change so that we can take the next step in our lives. Isaiah writes it this way in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. He says, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. In this scripture, God was waiting on the Israelites to change their behaviors. He was waiting on them to be obedient, to follow after him. God was not waiting because he didn't care. I want to share that again. God was not waiting because he didn't care. He was waiting so that they could receive. It's a really important thought. to. I'm throwing out a baseball to you right now, and I need you to catch that baseball. I need you to catch that thought. He was waiting so that they could receive. As parents, we wait on our children to mature before we give them greater opportunity or responsibility. As a child, you may think you're waiting on your parents. When you're a child and growing up, you're thinking you're waiting on your parents. But in reality, the parent is waiting on, on the child to be ready for the blessing, which requires a certain level of responsibility. Sometimes... We think we are waiting on God, when in reality, God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us. We're not ready for the next step. He's waiting on us to make some necessary changes in our life. I think about the story in John chapter 5 about the lame man who was at the pool of Bethesda. I can't say the word tonight. This man had been waiting at the pool of water for 38 years. When Jesus approached the man, he said, would you like to get well? That's what Jesus shared with the man. Would you like to get well? The man responded, I can't. The man had an interesting response to Jesus' question. Jesus posed the question, would you like to get well? You would think that the answer is obvious, but the man doesn't respond with a resounding yes. He doesn't. He responds with the words, I can't. The man didn't answer the question. His response was that he had no one to put him into the pool in time. When the waters begin to stir, all of a sudden there'd be an opportunity for healing. And he'd always miss out because he couldn't get there and he had no one else to put him in the pool in time. He was waiting on someone to help him. At this point, Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Jesus, out of his mercy, healed the lame man. But this event serves as an illustration how we can become so content 
in our circumstances. Remember what I share with you. He had been waiting by that pool for 38 years. This man failed to answer Jesus' question. He was solely focused on his excuse. We have to look beyond an excuse if we want to find an answer. I'll say that again. You have to look beyond an excuse if you truly want to find an answer. For that woman who had the issue of blood, and she, wouldn't, she was constantly bleeding, she couldn't stop. I talked about it last week. You know what? She didn't allow an excuse to hold her from seeing Jesus. She didn't allow an excuse to keep her back from touching the hem of Jesus' garment. She wanted to be healed, and nothing was going to stop her. She had no excuse. She made her way to Jesus. In our lives, there's times that we need to put our excuses away, away, and we just need to go after Jesus because he's waiting on you and me. Second thing I want to share, the dimming, dimming process is guided by his love, love. We need to be reminded that it's God's love that guides our life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Just as a good parent wants the best for his children, I share with you today that God wants the best for his children. As we listen to God through the reading of his word, as, as we spend time in prayer, we begin to sense when God is speaking into our lives, we get that sense that God is sharing something in our lives. It's an overwhelming feeling. God just keeps on speaking. As we continue to draw close to him, he draws close to us. He directs us because he loves us. Paul writes in Romans 8 that he is convinced that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God that is found in Jesus Christ. As you begin the demoing process of your life, of your home, listen carefully to the love of God because it's the love of God that will guide you. It's the love of God that will direct you. It's the love of God that will help you make right decisions in your life. Remember, you can't start building something new without clearing out some space in your life. So let's transition here and let's have some fun. As I share over the next few minutes about some processes, processes that we need to take about clearing out some, and making room for Christ, let's think about Chip Gaines and the sledgehammer. And he's going through the rooms of our life and he's just clearing out that old shag carpet. And he's clearing out those old cabinets that are painted green and he's making room for something new. So for the first thing, and by the way, this list is not an exhaustive list. It's just some thoughts that I'm sharing with you that's found in Scripture. And the first thing is this. Demolish any other master. Demolish any other master. Jesus makes it very clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, that it's impossible to serve two masters. You have to make a choice. You can't serve both. The reason is simple. At some point, the two masters will not agree. And then at that point, you're going to have to choose one or the other. You're going to have to choose a side. Well, you might be sitting there right now and says, well, I'm just not going to choose. I'm not going to choose a side. Which means then that you are your own master. You have essentially made a choice to serve self. The examples that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6 is that you cannot serve both God and money. Money seems to be a common theme in a lot of Jesus' parables of money and possessions. And why would that be? 
Because he sees it as a master over people. He sees people's possessions master them. He sees that people's money master them. They make decisions not for God, but they make decisions about how they're going to live, the money that they have in their bank account, the, how they're going to retire. How they, they make decisions off of money instead of God. If you want to make more room for God, then demolish any other master. And let me make it clear. Jesus is not saying that you can't have money or, or anything else unless it's, really, unless it's sinful. But money can't be guiding your life, nor can anything else be a master of your life. Another item that we can dem demolish is worry. This is a big one for most of us. In Luke chapter 12, verse 22, Jesus tells his disciples these words. Jesus, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. You see, worry can absolutely consume every part of your life if you allow it. Worry is kind of like the socks in your drawer. You know how the socks just keep on growing and they just keep on expanding? You don't know where they come from. But all of a sudden, the, the sock drawer is completely filled and you can't even sh shut it anymore. Worry, what happens when it gets out of control, is like your sock drawer. All of a sudden, you get so much in that drawer that you can't even close it at, any po at this point anymore. And there's times that you have to take worry and you have to start decluttering out of your life. You have to take them out. You don't need all those pairs of socks. You don't need all those, all those worries in your life. You need to take some of those things out of your life. You need to choose to put your faith in Christ. If you want more room in your life, then guess what? Choose to put your faith in Christ because Christ is the one who declutters your life. Another item that we can demolish is jealousy. James writes in James 3.16, he says, for wherever, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and evil of every kind. In Mark chapter 9, when the disciples were arguing about who is going to be the greatest among one another, and, and, and they were talking about it as part of James and John, they were talking about sitting at the right hand and the left hand of the, of the Father, and they were talking about that whole thing. And Jesus responds to them this way in Mark chapter 9, verse 35. He says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of of all. Jealousy is kind of like worry. If you don't take care of it, it just continues to grow. It just continues to consume your life. It starts off when we start comparing ourselves to everyone else. That's where jealousy starts to take place in our life. We start comparing ourselves to others. It's never a healthy thing to compare yourself to others. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to one another. He wants us to serve one another. And in doing so, guess what? You will demolish any part of jealousy that might be residing in your life. Let's continue. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying taking the sledgehammer and starting to demolish some of the things in your life? And we're going to be working on this this week, I hope. But let's continue by demolishing distractions. The story of Martha and Mary is found in Luke chapter 10. And some of you know the story where all of a sudden Jesus comes into their home. And Mary finds herself sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word that he says. But Martha is distracted by all the work that she needs to get done. And she becomes jealous, in fact, of what Mary is doing. And she is just consumed by all the things. And she's distracted by the most important thing. And that is Jesus is in her home. She can't get past it. We have to create space in our lives 
to hear the words of Jesus. Don't let things distract you from Jesus. Distractions can be a variety of things. It can be work or relationships or hobbies or games or television. The list can go on and on. Nothing wrong with any of those items unless they are distracting you from the words of Christ. Unless they are distracting you from the change that God wants to do within your life. And you're using those things to distract you from really the most important things in your life. Another item that we must demolish is ungodly passions. Throughout Scripture, we are warned that we must flee from ungodly passions and that we must pursue righteousness. A great reference to this is found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. We have to let go of sin and start pursuing Jesus. Repentance is the beginning of that process. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus. Finally, the last item that I want to share with you today about demolishing is demolish your past. Demolish your past. Paul tells in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. We can't let our past control our future. We can't. Too many people to choose just to live in the past. They get stuck in the past. Isaiah says, behold, I am doing a new thing. For many people, the past fills up all their space. There is no room for something new because they have to hold on to all this old stuff of the past. I've seen this in homes where unforgiveness runs rampant. There's no room in the house for something new. Yet forgiveness is the tool that God has given to us so that we can all of a sudden destroy, so that we can all of a sudden demo that unforgiveness that's found in our life. See, we need to demolition or demolish past hurts and sins that keep us from accessing God's future for our lives. Stop living in the past and start living for the future. I conclude with this final thought today. Demolition requires faith. It requires faith. It's not always, not always easy to remove things from your home or especially from your life. But you have to be willing to step out in faith. There is an interesting scripture that I found in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. Listen to these words. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. We can't wait for the perfect time to start making the necessary changes in our lives. We just have to be able to be willing to step out in faith. Our future and the future of others are dependent upon us stepping out in faith. I encourage you this week, what is God asking of you? What things in your life that you realize that maybe are in, that are in your life and they're a distraction to you or maybe they're in the way of what God wants to do in your life? Maybe it's like that, that wall in the house that you see this beautiful space, but right in the middle of that space is this ugly wall. And until you tear that wall down, that beautiful space can never be created. What's in your life that's a wall to you? that's holding you back from what God wants to do in your life. 
this week, as we are quarantined at home, and I know many of you are not as quarantined as you used to be because I can tell it on the freeway as everybody's cars are getting more and more driving down the freeway. But let's go ahead and keep slowing down just a little bit in this area of our life. And let's let God do a work in us. Let's hear what God is speaking to us. Let's let the love of God all of a sudden just reflect on us and all of a sudden expose those things in our life that we need to get rid of so that we can have more of Christ in our life. Let's do it. Let's start remodeling. Let's start changing our lives to be more and more like Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful. It's effective. Lord, it cuts through our lives, Lord God. It changes us. Lord, it does something in our spirit and in our soul. It's so powerful. And today, God, I pray that your word and the power of your Holy Spirit has affected change in our lives today. If you're sitting right now at your house, maybe you're on your couch or your recliner or around the dining room table of the kitchen, wherever you might be, I want you to make a commitment this week to make change in your life. Or maybe you're sitting right now and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never made the first step and, and you know in your heart, you feel the Spirit of God actually just talking to you right now. You feel His love pouring into your life and, and you need to make that commitment. Guess what? There, there, today is a day of salvation. That's what the Word of God says. There is no better time than today. And you can make that commitment right now by just saying a simple prayer. In fact, I want to lead you in that prayer right now because I don't want to ever waste an opportunity to bring another person into the kingdom of God. Just right where you're at in your living room, bow your heads with me and say this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I turn from them and I turn towards you. I choose to follow you. I love you, Lord Jesus. I choose to surrender and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, guess what? You are now a citizen of heaven. And we rejoice with you today. We're so proud that you did that. And if you made that commitment to Christ today, man, I encourage you just in our chat or there's a place where you can, where you can go next steps and you can say, hey, I made this commitment to Christ today and we'll contact you this week via email. We want to start sharing with you and sh share with you what the next steps in your life would be. We're so happy that you joined us today for our online service. Our regular attenders and for those that maybe just found us as you're going through the internet, we, we're glad that you found us today. And I hope that you understand that God sees you. He knows you. He's found you. He's just waiting on you today. Make that commitment. Choose to follow him. Watch what will take place in your life. As we close today, I want to just take an opportunity to thank everybody who's been supporting South Coast Christian through your tithes and offerings. And uh, it's been tremendous. I, some have been asking, how are we doing as a church? We're doing good. Uh, we, we had reserves, so that's been great. But we're about 70% of giving right now. And so uh, our monthly budget is not meeting our budget. And so we're, we're, we're going to have to pull out of reserves. And I don't want to do that. But you know what? I thank God for reserves. But I want to encourage all of us today. If you call South Coast Christian your home, man, continue to sacrifice. 
Let me read a scripture to you today that is so cool. It's a scripture where Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. It says in uh, Genesis chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. It says, Blessed be Abraham, the God of the Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. And if you remember the story, Abraham's left nep- nephew Lot was kidnapped and was taken by four kings. And Abraham went after Lot and went after those four kings. And God gave Abraham the power to overcome them. And he, always, he took back all the possessions that were stolen. And on his way back from that great victory, he runs into the high priest Melchizedek. And Melchizedek says, man, I see that you are blessed by God. And then at that point, Abram takes a 10% of all the possessions that he has, and he gives them to the priest, Melchizedek. Why would he do such a thing? Because he was grateful for what God was doing in his life. And today I share that word to you. It's a reminder for each and every one of us that we need to be grateful for what God is doing in our lives. And one of the ways that we can show God our gratefulness is by just continuing to give and support the work of His ministry. It's not my ministry, it's not your, it's God's ministry, it's His church. And we support that. So thank you for your faithfulness. You can give through our online app or through our website. And if you're a regular attender, we've been, giving, we've been sending out envelopes as well. If you need those, please contact the church and we would love to help you. But today I wanna to say thank you for joining us in our online experience. Don't forget that this Thursday, we have the National Day of Prayer, 7 p.m., 7 to 8 o'clock. Uh, we're just going to be worshiping in our cars. We're going to be praying together as a, as a, a community. And it's going to be a, just a wonderful time. And I encourage you to be a part of that with us as well. But we love you here at South Coast Christian. Pastor Tom loves you. But more importantly, God loves you. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast. Because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.